Yo, yo, welcome back to the Leadership Lessons Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Williams, and I'm so glad that you're joining us once again to be equipped and encouraged in the calling that God has called you to do. Uh, We're continuing this mid-season break in the middle of July. It's the middle of the season. This is episode 12 of season five, where I'm giving you some bonus content for my Patreon page. I've tried to make this community and page an opportunity to give you more content throughout the week and throughout the month of bonus content and this interview that I had with Jeremy Sanchez well it was in Utah and I find myself in pretty awesome places with pretty awesome people and so Jeremy Sanchez as I'll explain the interview man he's a great guy related to Jason Sanchez who we had on earlier in the season with a few episodes back on worship Uh, his brother uh, Jason and Jeremy they serve with me on the house of blessing ministry in Bashinava, Mexico we also did an episode on this and so Uh, Jeremy has a unique background in human resources. I think it's really important for us as church leaders to know uh, it's not just what we do, but how we do things. Uh, It's not just the great commission, but we have a great command to love and we want to love people. And Jeremy has worked with people to be able to uh, work with them in the corporate sense for many years with many amounts of people and deal with problems. And I gleaned some wisdom and asked him some uh, helpful questions that I had about human resources, about staff, about working with volunteer teams and, and how do you treat people? What about conflict and resolution and all this different stuff that we're going to talk about? I released this a few months ago on my Patreon page because that's why we have it, to give out bonus content, interviews, uh, quotes of books. Uh, Photoshop files, things that come along in ministry that I'm uh, ministered by or doing, man, I want to be able to pass that on. And so if you've not checked out our Patreon page, please do, because we're going to have more content coming up. Uh, Specifically in the human resource area, I interview another guy from my church, Mike Fricano, who's had uh, 30 plus years of human resource and actually has helped me lead the ministry uh, uh, golf tournament here in South Florida in October. And uh, man, I just love being able to connect with some people that know some stuff uh, that we can all glean from and pass it on to you. I'll have Mike Fricano do a leadership lesson on the second half of season five, uh, but I also interview him and we'll have that on the Patreon page available for you. Uh, Before we get into this interview, uh, this is the midweek sort of break or season. There are 22 episodes a season. Uh, This is episode 12. And so next episode, episode 13, we're going to get back into video, back into uh, leadership lessons, one piece of advice videos, some bonus content interviews, and some other fun things as well. And so uh, for all of you video watchers out there, this is a video and an audio podcast. Right now you're just listening because I'm just taking the audio from my office in between services. That's right. Uh, I'm sure like you, your summer is jam-packed and it has a different schedule. It's not only hot, my kids are out of school, but uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes ministry that's happening. So today I was able to speak at a local church in our area. I have an important meeting with you doing the podcast, and then we have Sunday night service as well. And so there's a lot of reworking, tooling, getting ready for the fall. I know in our hearts, and I just want to touch base with you and let you know I'm praying for you. I care about you. And I also want to invite you to an event that we're doing in the fall 
for the House of Blessing, we do an annual golf tournament. This year's golf tournament is actually going to be on Saturday, October 7th, and you can find all that information at hobgolf.com, but we actually have uh, a chance for you to meet Jason Sanchez. He'll be here in South Florida, talk about the ministry in Mexico, the new Christian school that uh, we started and are a part of. This is going to be year two, and there's just so many awesome things happening uh, through Bishinova, Mexico, and what God is doing. I'm even thinking of my wife, how she was able to uh, draw some pictures for VBS, and we sent an intern there to Mexico. And so God is still doing great things, and we want to be able to raise funds for that ministry. I would encourage you to check out that ministry. I'll put the links in the show notes. You can check it out. But in the midst of our business, I just wanted to touch base with you, tell you that I'm praying for you, that there's uh, more content, fresh content on the Patreon page. You can reach out to me. I'm doing a lot more coaching, teaching, and opportunity to be able to pour my life into others. If you have any questions or want to reach out to me, email me at daniel at eeleaders.com. I'd love to help in any way that I can, whether it be just a one-on-one call, praying with you, specific uh, 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 email or prayer, uh, send a prayer request to me. Man, I'd love to know and hear how Jesus has been working over the summer. And then next week, uh, the next two weeks, We'll be starting to do a lot more video content uh, on the episodes, but you can go check out our, our webpage uh, on YouTube. Uh, we have a lot of video content still being released. You can follow us on social, Instagram and Facebook. I try to get that stuff out. And would you just help me to spread the word? Uh, help me to get this content out to other people. Share it, send a text, give a review, all that good jazz. But here is a back uh behind the scenes interview with jeremy sanchez um and man i really look forward to seeing you once again you're going to enjoy the interview god bless you guys and we'll talk to you soon hey church leaders i am here in utah with my good friend here jeremy sanchez jeremy say hello hello everybody uh this is not jason sanchez although you are related correct it's true i am the younger better looking brother Wow, so much boldness and confidence. For you audio listeners, you may want to check out the video, okay? There's snow on the TV behind us, but there's actually snow outside. I love it here. It's beautiful. Uh, And we're here just finishing up a long board meeting for the House of Blessing. And uh, one thing I like to ask my uh, people that I interview for these behind-the-scenes interviews is, how do you remember we first met? Oh, that's a good question. I think we met on a conference call. Yeah? During COVID. Beautiful. We were both on the board. Um, and <clears throat> I'd heard Jason talk about you a bunch, mostly good things. And <laughs> wasn't sure. Um, no, I think it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the conference call. And then you came out to the house a couple of years ago and met yeah. me in person and you stayed in my basement. So, and, I, and I'm still staying in the basement to this day. I'm glad that you actually uh, accept me to. Yeah, you're always welcome. I'm, all, always, I'm always welcome. welcome. In the basement. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So Jason is uh, back there working on his computer. We just got done with a whole bunch of board meetings, and we have actually are on the board of the House of Blessing. Can you explain that ministry and how uh, you got asked to be put on the board? Well, might have been a little bit by default being a brother. Yep. Um, but no, it was, um, I mean, Jason and Jackie started um, initially, I think, over 10 years ago. Um, moved down there um, with the goal of starting an orphanage um, and through a lot of prayer, a lot of provision and um, a lot of hard work, 
they grew the ministry and then more recently when the pandemic hit it kind of shifted the um the focus um because there was less of a need for people to be staying on the property and so there was an opportunity and doors were open to start a school um, a private school a christian school and this year was the first year um, with the school we both got a chance to go down there and um, September of last year and yep. see what's going on there. There's 54 students right now. Um, and it's been probably beyond what any of us thought, I would say. Yeah, it's been pretty incredible. Pretty amazing. As you guys know, uh, I've been going down to Mexico, Bashinava, uh, for many years and being a part of that ministry, but being able to actually be on a board and start a 501c3, it's been a whole process, which I'll probably interview Jason, uh, about, some lessons he's learned starting a 501c3 um, and a nonprofit. But I want to get your expertise today on human resource matters. Ah, uh, yes, people. It's, it's right <laughs> up your alley. That's right. People. Uh, ministry is ministering to people, and I think we have a lot to learn from you. So uh, before I get into the technical um, things about just HR stuff, re uh, retention, employer, employee stuff, um, give us a little bit of background about your history, business side, as far as what you do. He's a big boss over here, VP. Uh, <laughs> you maybe your corporation, so people have a sort of a context of your experience to be able to listen to some of the things you're saying. Yeah, so I have been with the company I work for now. We're a restaurant management company, so we own um, a whole bunch of franchises um, of various restaurants all across the country. I mean, you want to flex on them? You want I mean, to just you know have, throw down some, we some have, names? We have almost 600 locations. Um, some of our brands are Little Caesars, Jersey Mike's, Wingstop, um, Red Robin, Dunkin' Donuts, Jamba. Okay, all right. I think that's enough. So that's good. It's, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> now, so now you're intimidating I, us. It, it, I started with the company actually 18 years ago. Um, I was in our training department. At the time when I started, the company was 34 restaurants. Um, yeah. And then we were purchased by a private equity firm back in 2006. And we, um, from that point on, we started growing like crazy. So I got an opportunity to move from training into a role with payroll and human resources. Mm -hmm. um, and then over the course of the last really 12 years, um, we went on a crazy growth mode doing additional acquisitions adding brands um and then continue to move up and and now i'm the vice president of human resources for the company and it's been uh yeah kind of wild to be with one company for 18 years that's kind of a rare rare story these days but yeah. um it's been a, a great company to work for with a lot of opportunity and now before we get am. into the learning of your vice president executive amazing wisdom with hundreds of employees under you and dealing with all the problems let's talk about a little bit about your journey going from a more of a smaller company to now a quite large company right and your development and growing what are some things that you look for as a human resource to give raises and consistency like what what do you think are some things that that was a part of your success to actually get to a position now to be like the vice president of a department of yeah. so large it's a good question. I mean, I think um, in any company, especially in the current climate, I think retention is a huge thing of finding the right people that align with the values of the company. It can be a little bit cliche because I think every company will say, 
well, we're about integrity and we are about the people. And then you hear tons of people quitting jobs because they feel worthless. They feel (laughs) unvalued and they see their supervisors or company make decisions that lack integrity. Yeah. And so you won't find a company that will say, well, integrity is not important. Um, but it's about backing up what you say you're going to do. We, you know, one of our core values in our company is integrity, which again, doesn't really matter unless you consistently back that up. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's one of the things that I've found is especially in our senior leadership, um, as I've kind of grown up in the company is very consistent commitment to doing the right thing. Um, when you make mistakes, trying to make it right. Um, and that doesn't always mean that everybody stays. Um, sometimes trying to make something right, you can't repair something. We make mistakes. and um, But I think showing a consistent track record of trying to do right by people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as I've been a little bit spoiled because I've been with the same company, but as I talk to peers and other people, I realize it's a little more unique than, than I may have thought. Um, yeah. Just because you hear of stories where you go, gosh, somebody really said that or really did that. And so, um, so yeah, I think finding a company that backs up what they say, because I think everybody knows the right thing you're supposed to say. Um, but then it's a matter of do your um, values and your actions actually back that up. And I think that goes same on the employee side. So and you're basically empl- saying like, so, you, the, so as an employee, I want to find a company that aligns with my values. So for example, it may not even be integrity. It may if a company has like the value of um, excellence. Right. Or just overworking. Right. Right. Compensating right. and they, you know, or um, whatever that value is, if that's my value, I can actually go grow, grow up in that system and they'll recognize that and reward that. Yes. So for you, your company was integrity, but that actually aligned up with your personal values. You had yep. integrity with your work. They saw that. And it made you want to stay with the company, but also made them want to promote you. Yeah, I think that. And then, you know, with opportunity for growth, um, you know, I was somebody as as I've kind of, like I said, grown up within the company and kind of grew into the role and learned a ton and made a ton of mistakes. Um, it, it would have been easy at any point um, for the company to say, hey, well, we really need to bring in somebody who's done this forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was fortunate to be given the opportunity to learn along the way. And I think if you're willing to learn, willing to work through the mistakes and the challenges, um, and go into it with an open mind so that you're, you know, hopefully not making the same mistake multiple times. And, um, so yeah, I think, I think being a part of a company that is, um, willing and looking for people who want to grow, goes a long way for sure. Yeah. So let me ask you this. As you grew up in the company, how important was education, learning, and being humble to fit those roles for you personally? That's a good question. Um, One of the things I love, so like I mentioned before, we're a restaurant company. um, And one of the things that has attracted me or I've come to really love about our industry is education isn't at the forefront, um, especially on the operations side. So the majority of our company is operations, meaning they're in the restaurants, running them day in and day out. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so of course, you know, within our support team at our headquarters here, you know, there are, you know, accounting positions and marketing and finance and IT. And so there, there are certainly positions where education plays a bigger role. Um, but we've always been a company where, you know, we've got a lot of people who have advanced really far in their career without an education. Um, or at least, a you know, you don't necessarily have to have a bachelor's or a master's degree. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, one of the things we talk a lot in our company about grit. Um, there's a great book written by Angela Duckworth that we went through as a company called Grit. And I think it's a it's something that education doesn't really you can't really buy grit. You can't get a degree in it. It's just that willingness to persevere to not, you know, when you, the kind of the classic, when you get knocked down, getting back up and, yep. and keeping, keep trying and, and working through those challenges. So I think having grit and a willingness to persevere, you know, through those challenges, to me, those are things that come into play far more than any education. Um, nowadays, you know, you can get a degree online. It's not to say that it's not valuable and not worth it, but we've seen plenty of people get through a degree and have the certificate and then don't have the work ethic and the grit to make it in the, in the real world. So, yeah. As an HR person, is that, is that something that you're sort of looking for? Like what kind of questions do you ask to find out and see or look for to see if someone has grit? Yeah. It's, it's kind of a tough thing cause it, it's a little bit like that it factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially because again, I mean, this is something that we we're dealing with currently the job market right now is really, it's super competitive. Um, and there's so many things you can look up online of how to interview, how to answer things in the right way. And, um, and that goes both ways, both from the employer side and the employee. Um, I like to really focus and interview in, real life experiences. Um, because, you know, I, I think if you haven't gone through things that you can learn from, and it doesn't necessarily have to be all of these successes, but real world, real life examples that demonstrate perseverance, that demonstrate problem solving. Um, I like to focus on that type of thing, but like I said, it's, it's tough right now. I mean, there's, People can come in very, very polished in an interview. Um, and so, I mean, it's one of the, it's what, it's a reason why there's hundreds of books written on how to find the right people. Um, it's why there's recruiting agencies out there who all they are trying to do is find and match the right people. So if it were easy, um, there wouldn't be all those books and, and professionals <laughs> yeah. doing it for you. So it's definitely a, a huge challenge, but I think the more you can get, um, real life, you know, kind of raw and honest stories, which can be tough in an interview environment because everybody, of course, comes in polished and ready to put on their their very best. So, yeah, um, the more I can get into a relaxed, honest conversation that feels more like just a dialogue, like what we're doing here, versus a very polished sit down panel of six people talking to one person kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm hearing you really when you're interviewing someone to find grit, you want to actually get personable to hear real life stories that they're practitioners not a polished answer but something that they actually gone through right could even be a failure yeah you want to say Mabel well how did you 
get get back up from that or what are your yeah. values and really sort of look through those things. Definitely. Um, let me turn the page a little bit to give some wisdom and your experience. I think what I really want to focus on with our time, limited time because I got to get in on a plane here soon. Uh, <laughs> but um, with our time together is sort of thinking through and talking to lead pastors, senior position people that are hiring um, employers. Mm -hmm. We as church leaders actually have our director, department leaders, whatever it may be, we have people under us, whether they be volunteers or paid staff. And so um, I want to glean your wisdom on like just what would you say to a senior pastor, to a director um, that's hiring or to just a key volunteer that has people under them, what, what would you say um, is important when you're dealing with people mm-hmm. and, um, you know, hiring people for a position, for a role? Uh, what are some important things that you'd want to say to an employer? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Depends on what time is your flight. That's right. I got 15 <laughs> minutes, bro. Um, no, I think, you know, human resources and just, people in general is a fascinating thing to me because there is no, um, there's no code or, you know, secret answer to how to do, how to do it right. Um, and I say that because so much of the things that I run into come down to the things that you're taught as a kid. Yeah. Or if you're, you know, growing up in church and in Sunday school, doing to others as you would have done unto you. Um, you know, when somebody wrongs you, you turn the other cheek, you, you know, um, it's very kind of simple and yet not simple at all because I wouldn't have people in my office all the time dealing with major conflicts if it was that easy. So for me, um, I think one of the biggest thing, and you and I talked about this earlier on, on, um, over the last couple of days, but Um, my favorite word when it comes to just people in general and that I see um, that I think if everybody could have more of, I think it would make things a lot easier and that's empathy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a word that anybody in ministry probably is familiar with. Um, You probably should be if you're not, I would bet ministry (laughs) is not going great. (laughs) Um, But it's very, it's it's easier said than done. Um, But people when you involve people working together and when you involve ministry, pride, authority, money, you start getting all these factors in emotions start running high. Yeah. Egos start getting involved and people become territorial. People become, and the more that starts to happen, then, you know, you become reactionary in difficult situations. So you're dealing with a leadership situation, you have a conflict and you can immediately, again, when you're involving all of those elements to it, it can escalate quickly. And so one of the things I've always, I've found to be super helpful in talking through conflicts and, and leadership issues and challenges is empathy, how putting yourself in the shoes of the person that you're working with, Mm -hmm. um, and really trying to see it from their view. I feel like so many times, you know, when issues come up, it's because somebody reacts, they get emotional and they say something they regret or, um, you know, they, they lack, there's a lack of respect. Um, and I, so I think in any role, 
um, it's such a key skill to learn is to not react out of emotion or out of anger. Um, but to really take a second, take a deep breath and, and really try to see it from the other person's view. You may be right in the end and the conversation may lead to a termination or asking somebody to step down from a leadership role or needing to go separate ways because you're not aligned. Mm -hmm. Um, so it doesn't mean that those conversations aren't necessary and don't take place, but when you can do it with a cool head where you've had time to gather your thoughts and, and really try to see it from their side, I, I think it goes a long way in having a healthy dialogue around whatever issue you have. So I would say in any level of leadership, whether it's professionally, um, you know, ministry especially, I, I've found... It's, it's not hard to find situations where employees or people in a church setting feel frustrated because they don't feel heard, they don't feel respected, they don't feel valued. And if you're trying to get anywhere with somebody, whether they're an employee of yours or somebody who's under your leadership, mm-hmm. and they don't feel like you respect them and value them, you, you're already climbing up a, a huge hill and you're just not going to get what you need. Um, yeah without that so how do you value employees or key volunteers in your organization what are some things that that you would suggest that we do as church leaders to really um to help value whether it be compensation words letters uh free jazz tickets i mean whatever you know like (laughs) let me me know yeah i think i mean compensation of course is always a part of it um you know there's that's a huge piece of why we work um, you know, ministry can be different because you're dealing with a lot of volunteers. Um, but compensation doesn't always have to be, you know, strictly just a salary. It can be in other things that you do to take care of your team, whether it's a simple, you know, sending a crumble cookie for their birthday to say, I appreciate you. Um, and so I think, you know, it, to me, one of the biggest things is you don't have to be best friends with everybody, but making an effort to get to know people. They say all the time that people don't quit their jobs, they quit their boss. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase before. It's kind of one of the classics. Um, But it is true. I've worked with different people where um, when you feel like somebody knows you um, and when you go through a difficult challenge, when you have a relationship where you feel like it's more than just, I'm here to collect a paycheck, um, it makes it easier to step up in those, you know, times where you do run into a a difficult challenge. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's really important to try to get to know my team. No, you know, I want to know what they're willing to share. It's different. Some people will spill their whole life story to you and other people are more reserved, but, um, I think it goes a long way to just get to know who they are beyond what they add, what value they add to me. Yeah. I never want anybody on my team to feel like they're just there to give me what I need so that I can be successful. Um, I want them to know, and it makes it a lot more enjoyable when I can get to know them, know what their interests are, Mm -hmm. know, you know, how to, how can I personalize and what things can I do um, to show that I care? Because I think all of us would say, we like serving with people who we care about and yeah. who we feel care about us. So mm-hmm. to me, it's a really important piece 
to just get to know who people are beyond whatever it is that's binding you, whether it's like, you know, church leadership or an employment situation. Um, when you know them a little bit beyond that, I think that goes a long way. So you think relational in a sense, I'm hearing you like relational is a key thing. It's not just compensation. It's not even just be given public praise, but personally knowing your employees or people underneath you is an important thing. Definitely. What about team building? Is, is there, are, is it, appropriate do you think to have team building events where you're not furthering the mission but maybe the mission is just to get to know your team yeah I'm, i think definitely um you know working with teams is pretty necessary i mean it's tough to in any type of you know employment situation or ministry situation it almost always involves a team yeah um and so i think you know the more you can build and try to connect people again it doesn't mean everybody has to be best friends um, but there needs to be a mutual respect um, and I think when you demonstrate that as the leader people typically follow the you know the habits of the leader so if the leader is being outgoing and approachable then other people are going to be that way they're going to follow what they see modeled so um, you know in the again in kind of the classic illustration sense when you have a supervisor who walks in to the office and closes their door they might have a super important phone call that they've got to get right to but one of my favorite sayings is always in the absence of communication the transmission is negative and that is whether that supervisor they may have had a a frustrating phone call on the way in and maybe they're annoyed maybe they're stressed because they have a meeting but when there's no communication at all, people immediately go, oh, I wonder what happened. Did I do something? Are they frustrated with me? Are yeah, we? Yeah. And, and I think it's the same with ministry. If you're not approachable, again, you don't have to be this fake, you know, everything's perfect all the time. Um, but I think being approachable and, again, pouring into the team and making that effort to get to know people so that if you do have that morning where you walk in and they close the door, they go, Oh, something, I hope everything's okay. Cause that's not like them Yeah. Uh, yeah. versus, uh Oh, wonder who's in trouble this time, or something <laughs> like that. So let's talk a little bit about trouble because I think when you deal with relationships, there will be trouble. Uh, and being an HR person or a manager, um, you handle a lot of conflict. I bet. Don't you? A fair amount, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you have any conflict resolution advice or how do you deal with when there's problems within your team? How do you resolve yeah. that? How do you help resolve people in conflict? Yeah. Good question. Um, I'd like to say I have it all totally figured out. Of course. Um, you were the perfect. But yeah, you're, it's, you're the I executive. never have conflict, so I'm just not sure. Um, <laughs> no, I think um, when it comes to I guess I'll say I'll answer this two ways. I think there's the professional advice of it, the, you know, more the legal type side. I think documenting things when you're dealing with conflict in a professional setting and even in a in a church leadership setting, mm -hmm. not just because you need to cover, you know, yourself, but for your own benefit to remember and recall. Like we were talking about when you're in when you're dealing with conflict emotions run high you don't recall things what was said how yeah. it was said and so when you can make notes about something that's bothering you or or a conflict that you run into 
um, it's always helpful to kind of recollect and say, well, I recall in this conversation, this is what, this is what happened. Um, because the further you get from something, the more cloudy your memory becomes. Um, and it can, um, it can become more complicated to resolve later. Um, the other piece of that I would say is you've got to be able to deal with it. It's very easy to brush things under the rug and not address conflict when it needs to be addressed. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not fun. You don't like to have tough conversations, but the longer you let them go, the more things can progress and get worse. Um, and so I think one thing is just not being afraid to address issues. And that's probably a pretty common thing that I deal with is people coming and they want to vent about something or they have a concern. And my first question is always, well, did you, does this person know that you're really bothered and frustrated? Mm -hmm. And they usually say, well, no, I haven't said anything. And I, and then typically I will say, do you think it's fair to expect that they're going to change what they're doing or stop, you know, if they don't know or realize that you're really, really upset about this. And so again, it's nothing groundbreaking or this like, yeah, it's, al it's almost like Matthew 18, like, Hey, so you have a problem with the brother, go to them and uh, actually talk about 100%, it. hundred percent. But it is amazing how many times people won't, they'll yeah. go and talk to every other person in the, you know, in a church setting, how many times people, well, I need to confide in you. I want to. And it's like, next thing you know, they're talking about every other person except the person they have the issue with. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, the, the Matthew 18, I mean, that's exactly right. You owe it. Anybody would say, I want a chance to fix something, but I can't fix something if I don't know. Mm -hmm. Even if I feel like, well, you should know because what you did was horrible. I, maybe you, it's a blind spot. Maybe you didn't realize it. So I think being willing to have those conversations in the first place is, is the first step. If you're not willing to have the conversation, then it's not going to ever get better. Yeah. So it's important to address conflict. Uh, how important is it to have evaluations with your team? Because like you said, oftentimes there's blind spots. Mm -hmm. You may not even know that you're offended people or even how you even do in your performance. What, what would you suggest as far as uh, wisdom on evaluations? Do you do evaluations? Yeah. How important are performance evaluations in the HR yeah. department? Like what does that all look like? Yeah, it's, it's a huge part of what we do. Uh, again, both on the legal side and kind of, you know, when you're dealing with performance issues, oftentimes, you know, people don't typically address performance challenges or positives enough. And then you get into a situation where someone feels like, gosh, I really need to make a change. And then my first question is always, well, you know, have you discussed this with them before? Well, no, not really. Yeah, yeah. And so I think the performance evaluations are huge. Um, it doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out, 50-page survey of answering every possible question because there are some, I've seen some like that. Um, wow. But something is better than nothing. I think anybody would say, well, do you prefer to know how your boss feels or how your ministry leader feels about how you're doing or would you rather just guess? <laughs> There's not a person who would say, I just prefer to guess um, because you want the feedback. Yeah. Even if it's, there's some negative. It's like, gosh, if I'm not meeting the mark, I'd like to know. And I can either decide, well, if that's what you want, this isn't the right fit or to say, gosh, I didn't realize that I want to improve. So I think that it has to happen. Um, 
again, it doesn't have to be this super formal process, but just regular points to check in. There's a lot, um, a lot of trends are moving when it comes to employee valuations. You see a lot of companies moving away from like the annual review mm-hmm. um, and just moving more to regular engagement and check-in points to say, how am, how am I doing? How, as a supervisor, do you feel supported by yeah. me? What can I do to better support you? What frustrations do you have? What's your biggest challenges right now? So I think checking in on a regular basis is is pretty critical now because... Um, the last thing you want is, you know, losing somebody who's burnt out because they didn't have the opportunity to really express yeah. that. So rather than thinking about a big evaluation, 50 page annual to check in maybe yeah. quarterly or even monthly meetings that are yeah. shorter totally. minutes, like five, 10, 15 minute yep. thing or an hour rather than a full day of an interview. Definitely. What about retention? How, what do you do to try to retain uh, employees and why is that so important than rather than just firing someone and getting someone else. And then a couple of years later, getting someone else like how important is retention for an organization? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's for our company right now, it's one of our, our top goals, especially in restaurants. It's super high turnover. Um, and we tend to, you know, more often than not, if you can get somebody to 90 days and again, this is restaurants. So typically very high turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, once we get somebody to 90 days, we have a much greater chance that they're going to last, you know, well beyond that. Um, and so while maybe a lot of organizations aren't on quite as short of a cycle, um, I think everybody agrees. You certainly lose momentum when you lose somebody in a position. Yeah. Um, a part of retention though, is also not being afraid to lose somebody who's not the right fit Mm -hmm. when you, sometimes it's just, there can be various reasons. It doesn't always have to be this huge mistake that somebody made. It can just be a conflict of personalities or just not the right fit. So I think it's always important to not lose sight of the importance of getting the right people in place. So when you know you don't have the right person, you know, being willing and ready to move on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the retention piece is huge. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about before. People don't leave their company when they feel valued, when they feel cared about. Um, and so I think when it comes to, you know, keeping people, of course, the compensation and the benefits and those things become a part of that conversation. But it's how does the person feel? You hear people talk about culture. What's mm-hmm. the culture of this organization? Do you care? You know, is it people first? Is work-life balance? What is that like? So I think those are the the biggest factors of making, making sure they feel valued and important. Um, and then knowing that, you know, if you are successful in doing that, then the likelihood of them staying long-term is much higher. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I feel like I want to ask you more questions. Unfortunately, it started to snow and I have to get to the airport. <laughs> However, uh, give us a last word of encouragement or is there any last advice or just wisdom you want to give to church leaders out there for encouragement, dealing with conflict, dealing with hiring, firing, and just problems, HR stuff that whether we have a large staff, key volunteers, we're, we all deal with it because yeah. we all deal with people. Yeah. What's a good word of encouragement or last thought that you can give to just those people that are maybe in your role of dealing with all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, it it, definitely it's a good question. I would just say back to that empathy word and and really to just a um, a genuine care for people. I think that's one thing we've we talk about in our company is, you know, 
there's always compensation side, there's benefits, there's all these things that cost something. And I always tell our managers, it literally costs you nothing to care about somebody. Hmm. Um, it also, people pick up on it when it's not genuine. So you have to ask yourself, do I care about the team that I'm working with? Yeah. If you can't say yes to that, then you got to say, well, why? <laughs> Is it me? Is it my team? Do I have people that I'm frustrated by? Like, you know, trying to answer that question because you can try to check a whole bunch of boxes and do things, but people we're, we pick up on it. People pick up when it's not genuine, when you give a fake mm -hmm. answer and when you give a, Hey, how's it going? And then you're already off to the next thought before they even answer. And so I, I would challenge that to just the very most basic need. We all have a desire to be cared for. And so I think any leader, the more you can do that and do it, in a way that's genuine and then challenge yourself that if it's not, um, ask yourself why it could be, you know, you have own your own conflict in your own heart that's getting in the way or preventing you from, from being that caring type of leader. Um, but I think if, when you care about people, um, they will see that. And then even when you make mistakes as a leader, as we all do, they're going to be more, um, sympathetic to work through those mistakes and yeah. give you the benefit of the doubt when they know that you have a genuine true care and not just this contrived put on the show kind of kind of care that's amazing well jeremy i appreciate your time your wisdom and thank you for caring for me thank you, you for letting what? me I stay in care. your basement i genuinely care by putting you in the basement <laughs> <laughs> just you know you know you, at least at least your wife loves me it's and true treats me right but <laughs> You put me in the basement, and uh, I appreciate it. It's yeah. awesome being able to serve with you, and I'm sure I'll interview again, dig a little bit deeper in these subjects, but yeah. I at least wanted to uh, introduce you to the people that I'm coaching, discipling, and just um, glean some of your wisdom, and uh, man, it's a pleasure to be able to not only learn from you, but in the business context of you know the big ball and VP, uh, <laughs> But also, as we have served on this board and started a nonprofit together, it's just a joy to be able to serve Jesus with you. And uh, I appreciate you opening up your home and opening up your heart and wisdom and life for us. Yeah, anytime, man. Awesome. See you guys later. <laughs>